There's no sinking plankers here. Welcome to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Nick and this is episode number 212. Don't you guys mock my intro, please. Thank hey, you. Hey, dude, you know what? <laughs> Something just crossed my mind about your intro and I'm not going to give you a hard time about like how formally you did it, but when the listeners are listening to this right now, do you think it's their evening? Uh, I'm going to say, oh, no, good point. It would, it would yeah, I mean, clearly you morning. said good evening because we're recording it right now in the evening, mm-hmm. but I bet you a lot of people get it in the morning. That's fair. A good day. Wow. Good day. Good day. Good day. I like that. <laughs> good day. Good day, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to RC <laughs> Haley Nation. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's not get that started. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a very slippery slope. Before you know it, a dingo is going to eat your baby. Uh, I don't have any children left after that dingo. <laughs> yes, so Dan is not with us. As you guys heard, Justin and Jesse are here. What's up? True. Just, j- True. Really? <laughs> True? He's like, in the house. Awkward I'm length. here. Awkward What's length up? Awkward pause. Nothing much, man. I think uh, Dan has a sick cat. Yes, he does. Yes, he Poor does. crooked head. The beloved crooked head's not doing so hot, so uh, he's at the vet with crooked head. So we wish them the best. Hopefully, Dan will be uh, back next week to hang out because I rumor mill so has we're getting it. Tired of your intros. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we'll say it. Rumor mill has it. I think Dan is going to have a pretty exciting week when he comes back. Yes, I I'm can't wait kinda, to hear. I I I don't want to leave any more any you know any more secrets than that out there. But it's it's uh, some very exciting news in Dan's world. But on to exciting news, Jesse. What yes. exciting news do you have for us this week? Oh my goodness! Well, it's been it's been a couple weeks actually. Yeah, that's since, right. Since we didn't check in check in last week, so it's kind of two weeks of stuff. Uh, pulled together. So to start off with, a couple weeks ago, I finally sold the warp. Man, that thing had been sitting for quite some time. Wow. Yeah. Like the original for sale ad? Off the, well, actually, it wasn't even through really a forum. Ended up going to uh, Chris Rybert in Florida. And so... It's, Wait a minute. Uh, Chris Rybert lives in New York. In New York. That's Check the meant. shipping address, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said he said he got it, so must have been right. Okay. Oh, nice. Anyways, and so he ended up shooting me a text. What's the you know What's the scoop? Send me the details, and we we reached an agreement. 
and the warp is gone off the uh, off the shelf. So wow, damn! I'm gonna miss that little warp. That was a that was a darn good heli. It was a good heli, um, but time to move on. So got a little bit of little bit of change sitting in the heli fund. Haven't done anything major yet. I'm actually see. I've kind of discovered since being married, the PayPal account is my little special side. Like if if I want, <laughs> oh wow, yeah. If, if I want money available to spend on the hobby, like without asking or you know running anything by anyone, PayPal is the place to keep it. That is correct. So <laughs> now now okay, hold on. How do you get it there? Well, he paid with PayPal. So it never left. Okay, so right, that that was one option. But what mm-hmm. happens if your balance is zero and you have nothing to sell other than your body? Well, and most gotta, of the time they don't pay with PayPal. That's true. Yeah, could you <laughs> send that to PayPal account? Yeah. No, in the, in this case, I do have a PayPal balance sitting there, but that's a good point. And you know, it doesn't it doesn't always work out like that. But I didn't make the mistake of transferring it to the bank account because then it just gets lost in the mix, and you know, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to keep this separate. He's this. like, that's my money. Yeah, you know, it came from the it came from the hobby. It's going back to the hobby. That's my motto, right? Leave, leave it there. <laughs> so yeah, just it just stays there. Um, I did I did do a little order a couple of weeks ago, just the Hobby King, one of those annual restocking. You know, all the oh yeah, I, I got the ten gauge wire, the heat heat shrink couple sizes of heat shrink since it's like 25 cents a meter just you know five meters a heat shrink or something like that a little uh servo wire servo connectors you know just all the general hobby stuff kind of was going through the drawers and looking at a lot of things were getting pretty low nearing the end of the year so it was a great time to restock and the great part is you can snag like i feel like i completely restocked my hobby my like hobby supplies for I think it was 35 bucks or 40 bucks. I, mean, I think that's about what I spend. Like, I buy my XT 150s there as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think between XT 150s, you know, like you said, servo connector, servo wire, I usually get 10 gauge and like yep. some, uh, what, I think 18 maybe for like BEC okay. leads. Yep. For, um, I think between all of that heat shrink, I, I want to say it cost me about. 40 or 50 bucks um for the entire year okay yeah not i mean and it's just i I don't use hobby king for a lot of things but that is one category where i'm not afraid to admit that that reminds me i think i'm gonna have to place one of those orders coming up too dude what a good feeling like it's a it's a really cool feeling to get all that because you're like yeah you can just like you've accomplished something yeah (laughs) Yeah, because otherwise you're like, ooh, maybe I should I should not, you know, eh, do I want to do this? Like when you're looking to build a servo lead, you know, you're going, well, I could take this one. This one would probably work. It's like, no, no. Oh, no, no. We're going to go custom. I'm going to make it the exact oh, length yeah. that I want because I got plenty of but supplies. You got to watch out on that custom stuff. Remember how that worked out for me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I've done <laughs> After- it too. <laughs> Two and a half years, finally decided to make custom servo lead links for the 7HV and then sold it and nothing fit on the new heli. <laughs> well, Son there you go. go. <laughs> now you can build servo extensions. <laughs> yep, yep. So that that showed up this week, but totally agree. Great feeling. Just get everything restocked. Then as for the rest of that money, it's just kind of 
parked there. I'm sure I'm going to add some more funds to it, but I think I'm still weighing out my options. You know, I've been kicking around. Do I do the new charger? Maybe upgrade the motor in the E7 helicopter build. We'll sneak that one in there too, just in case. Um, So for right now, it's, it's parked. It's not going anywhere though. And eventually you need to upgrade the motor in the E7. No, no, no. It's more of a, I think that would be cool. Try something different. You know, I've been flying the Scorpion for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just branch out, try something different, really. So, no, that that one's probably the lowest on the priority list, just because it's, it's really not a need. And honestly, I, you know, I probably wouldn't notice the performance upgrade. It would be more of just to try something different, get a, you know, right. different brand of something on there, so... Um, I'd say the other two are probably a little bit ahead of that one, but it's still on the list. So then this last week, I'm going to say this was, for some reason, I, I think this is going to be a pretty pivotal week. So earlier on this week, I was, you know, went over to Nick's place to work on at a check engine or an airbag coat on my truck. So we, I ran over there, you know, he brings home all his fancy gadgets from work and <laughs> we dig through the, the computer on the truck and pull the coat out and whatnot and we end up working on the truck for like 15 minutes and then never fails, end up hanging out and talking for like four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was one of those when, when I'm leaving the house. Yeah, Kale, I'll be home in like hour, two hours tops. This is not going to take very long. And then eventually I get the text of, are you there? Are you going to be home for dinner? What's going on? <laughs> Hello, why are you not answering me? <laughs> yeah, you know, it progressed really quickly, but no, it was really good. You know, we were just talking and looking forward to next year and going, all right, this last year did not get as much flying in as I would have liked. And so what what changed and what's it going to take to get back to that next year? So I think the first point that we talked about was just having, you know, consistently flying with someone else. I I honestly think that after years and years of flying, it takes going out to the field with someone else on a regular basis to keep that long-term commitment and long-term interest. Um, so that's something, you know, that working on next year, not really anything I can do over the winter at this exact time on that one. On the other hand, we were talking, you know, we really, a couple summers ago when we were just heading out to the field all the time, we both had machines that it was like, this is my, you know, kind of like a beater heli. It's super cheap to fly, mm-hmm. super cheap to maintain really, really reliable. And you're just out there beating the crap out of your helicopter week in and week out. Uh, Doing stupid stuff too. Exactly. Just completely dinking around, not caring at all, you know, about think, you know, there's, there's no thought in the back of your mind, like, Oh, if I crash this thing, it's going to cost X amount of dollars. Cause this part costs, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just that, that isn't a concern on the table. It's like, I wonder how bad this crash is going to be. That's more of the question. It's not, yeah. am I going to? It's how many how many of these autos do I think I can get away with before yeah. before I crash? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, my other thought too was with, so with my kind of change, moving back home from, from school this last year and all those changes, I, I really realized that when I was in school, having, you know, one main helicopter was perfectly fine because I had lots of parts on hand. And if I crashed... I could guarantee that I could sit down that evening, get the helicopter torn down, diagnosed, put back together, 
and you know potentially ready to fly the next day but for sure ready to fly the next weekend where there's weeks now that you know get so busy that I honestly don't know if I could guarantee sometimes that if it was a bad enough crash, let's say Sunday, that that heli would be ready to go by Friday, even if I had all the parts sitting there. Um, so it just kind of made me, you know, evaluate the fleet. And if I really do want to get back to that every single weekend, making out to the field and just dinking around and having fun and crashing helis, um, what does the fleet need to look like to support that? Um, so, you know, really good conversation. And it, it kind of made me go back through my current fleet and go, okay, look at this helicopter. Does it fit that mold? Is this a helicopter that I'm going to be able to fly without thinking about all that stuff? And it, it's going to be, you know, would I, would I classify this a beater helicopter and am I going to worry about it? So I'm really looking back at that stuff and, you know, thinking maybe some changes need to be made before next season if, if that's my goals and if that's the direction that, that I want to head. So then on the flying front, you know, it kind of feels like once you get, once you stop flying um, for a little bit, at least for me personally, it feels like I taper off really quickly with the, you know, the 3D and the capabilities. And now all of a sudden I'm sitting here going, geez, it looks like I'm at the base of this huge mountain and, and up at the top is where I used to be flying. And I'm standing here at the bottom, which is kind of, you know, what I would call my skill level right now. And really... I think the mountain looks a lot taller than it actually is. And just, you know, I think with a couple months of hard work and dedication on the sim and getting out to the field that you can make it back to the top and get back to, you know, I would call, I would say 90% back to, to how I was flying. So this past week I've been hitting the sim really hard. I'm on my fourth night in a row, uh, logging half an hour at night and planning to continue to do so. Um, hoping to make some strides, you know, get get back into it get some of the get some of the skills back it's been interesting on the sim believe it or not in those four days so half hour each night two hours on the sim i have not done any 3d yet um, kind of my theory is you know i could still go out and pick up the transmitter and i, I guarantee i could go out right now and nail double pirouette flips you know there's some of those maneuvers that you just spent so much time learning you you don't i feel like you just don't lose a touch but for me seems like the base or the the foundation kind of falls out. So the flights become kind of boring to watch because there's no, all the cool transitions are gone and all that, all that stuff. So really trying to go back to the basics, you know, literally sitting there, figure eights, every direction, Mobiuses, every direction, funnels, every direction. And you start doing that. That's basically all I've gotten through for the past four days. Um, just focusing in on, on those basics, trying to get that stuff back. So. Nice. It's been good. And then as for this weekend, the weather looks horrible. Um, working a little bit tomorrow, but I do have the truck loaded up So with the heli stuff. So the rain looks like it might stop tomorrow for a little bit. Um, probably work till about midday, and then I'm hoping to shoot out to the field for a little bit. So we will see. And, of course, if the weather gets decent on any of the other days, I'll I'll try to make it out then as well. But looking pretty it's looking like rain Saturday and Sunday, so hopeful, but not planning on it. It's so, good. I I, I want to go back to something. What okay. what was the outcome of your self assessment of your fleet? Well, I think okay. So looking at you know, right now, my fleet is, is small. That I got the N seven, the Nitro, and then the E seven. 
It's and literally only two helis. It's literally two helis right now since the warp's gone. Nick, does that make you cringe? I couldn't do it. <laughs> I could not do it, but I mean, you know. Well, I mean, I've only ever had three at my peak. I mean, that's. I've had. Oh, I guess I had, I had four. I yeah, had four. Because I had four. the nitro, a 700 nitro, a 700 electric, a 600 electric, and the warp. Yep. So that was my four has been my peak. I I think for me personally, three is a salt is a good solid number, especially taking into account the situation about you know having the time to rebuild stuff and making sure I have helis to go the next weekend. Yeah. But for the self assessment of the fleet, I can guarantee you the the nitro or the N seven is not going anywhere. I mean, as far as yes. nitro goes, there's I don't think there's a ton of options out there. We've hashed this out on the show. And so I just don't foresee, you know, even if that one is a little bit more on the expensive end, just because it's a nitro, I feel I tend to have more fun and fly it stupid anyways. <laughs> maybe, maybe the motor clouds your judgment. I don't know. It's it's the exhaust fumes. <laughs> yeah, the exhaust fumes get to you and cloud your judgment. So the, I'm not really concerned with the nitro. I'm really looking at the E7 and I've been looking at some other brands and stuff and pricing out some crash costs and kit costs and looking at, okay, what really does make sense for me and you know how I plan to fly or how much I plan to fly uh, next year and just trying to go through those evaluations. Yeah, because we were, we were talking about like crash costs, you know, a lot of it, because just you don't crash very much at all. Well, you have to fly though to crash. So back when well, I was but flying, even a when bunch, you do fly, dude, you don't crash all that much. Yeah, but I would say like a typical year. You know, let's let's roll back to like last year, the previous year. I was probably four to six a year. Yeah, that's true. So I, I mean, mean, when I was, but but the flight count was a lot higher. Yeah. So I still I wasn't crashing. If if you were to go crashes per flight or you know flights per crash. That was still a good ratio, but I was getting in a lot more flights, so the crashes still did add up. So let me uh, let me ask you a question. I got to challenge you on this, and mm-hmm. before I do, I, I'll tell you that uh, I I tend to agree with you because the only thing I don't like about my seven seventy is the crash costs. Yeah, everything else I love. Yep. But having said that, how much of it do you really think? is the crash costs as opposed to maybe you just coming up with an excuse for not really wanting to push it because I mean, you take the, let's take the E seven, for example, mm-hmm. if you go and price that out compared to some of the other brands, yeah. how much are you really saving in a typical crash? I mean, it can't cost more than say 50 bucks a crash more. For like parts, right? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Okay, so is it really that $50 bill that's keeping you from from pushing yourself and learning? Yeah, but I wouldn't say, well, I guess pushing myself and learning and just, you know, not caring as much and dinking around or a little, I would put it in a little bit different categories. But no, that's that's a fair assessment. And I would say mentally it just feels like a more expensive helicopter whether there's any validity to it or not and there's some validity even though it may be only 50 bucks but 
Yeah, maybe it's just a mental wall. You know? is, that, it, is Does it have more to do with the your perception of the heli? Because, dude, synergies are nice helis. Yeah, right? I, well, that's what but I mean. But if you I think got kind of like, uh, I don't know, it, no matter what brand I say, someone's going to get offended. So yeah. I'll just throw in a line out there. A line. <laughs> okay, you got an aligned T-Rex 700 electric, and you're just kind of like, you dirty girl. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, just, you can just go and abuse her and not worry about hurting her feelings. Whereas yeah, the synergy, I, it's a little bit more elegant. You know, it's a it's a really nice, clean design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that definitely. Oh yeah, one hundred one hundred percent plays into it. I mean, I think that when I have done the same self assessment, because I I kind of went through the same thought process in the last couple of months, and for the record, I'm still on the fence about the seven seventy, and that's the reason why I like the idea of the protos so much. Yeah, is because when you price it out, it is cheaper. Yeah. Now, surprisingly, in seven fifty or eight hundred configuration, it's not that much cheaper. But I'd mm-hmm. still save myself fifty to seventy-five bucks a crash. Yeah. When you're talking about a twenty-five hundred dollar machine, that doesn't really sound like it's all that substantial. But but it I doesn't also matter it's if it's a, mental. It, it is a mental does, thing, and it starts yeah. adding up if you you know doing the thing in once a month because now all of a sudden you're dinking around. Well, I I also think it's part of like that that goes along with the goblins. You look at them and they're just pretty machines mm-hmm. and it's not to say the others really? aren't but that kind of kind of makes me want to just smash one into the ground well okay <laughs> well then maybe you should buy a freaking goblin <laughs> yeah. dude yeah there you go i mean seriously yeah oh let's let's i've been considering all options so it's all on the, it's all on the table but i i mean i think justin really hit it on the head and him and i have talked about this i still you know dollar for dollar wise even being on the SAB team, obviously we get stuff at a discounted price. Uh, the E700 was dirt cheap to fly, right? So let's just yep. say retail versus discounted team. Let's call it a wash. I still treated my E700 differently than I do yep. the Goblins. I mean, I've had a lot of fun last year, but I did not push myself to that level of just like I had no care. I mean, mm-hmm. no care with the E700s. And like you're talking, Jesse, with the autos and all that crap. Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> I mean, it was just nonstop. Auto, mm-hmm. at bang. Oh, it was boom. bound to happen. Yeah. I mean, you're bound to crash. Just flopping all over the place. And it was funny. And I, I never hit that. Now, I don't know if that's because of the model thing in my mind, or I just think I got way more into like my fleet you know what i mean my yep. my air quotes are up had to worry more about my fleet or whatever than i did the spur of the moment having fun and that probably had to do with like you said well we didn't fly together a lot last year yep so i think there's yeah there, there's a couple pieces of the puzzle there is there, there to, is to getting back to that and, and that's so. the key is finding the pieces to your puzzle Yep. You know what I mean? Whatever what makes it, it is. enjoyable for you personally when you get out to the field. Yeah, yeah because when, when you really open up the, the sort of uh, design space, if you will, it's got to be more than just a 700 because you could get the same effect out of a 550 or a 600. Yep. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, you can't beat a 700. And uh, look, I agree. 
at the end of the day, that is the case. But nowadays, these models combined with the freaking blades and fly barless systems, they don't fly that much different. And you can get a lot of learning done on a 550. I mean, Nick, Nick, your 570 and your 500 are like your go-to beater helps. That 570 is... It's a workhorse. That, that's... Yep. Uh, Jesse and I, we had this part of the conversation, oh, yeah, we, too. This came up as well. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about, like, sheer flight count, right? Doesn't matter how you're doing what you're doing. We have a, a flight-to-crash ratio that's inevitable. Okay, and if you're going to crank up the flights, then the crashes are going to come up. Well, I've kind of taken this attitude that when in the summer, and I can do it, I can fly every day at work. Well, now I can get in three flights per day, and then plus the potential flights on the weekend. Well, that's getting the flight count up, and batteries, maintenance, crash cost, all of that really does start coming into effect if you're going to do that all year long. So I kind of chose last year to use my 570 as the day lunchtime heli, um, which, you know, half the pack in it, uh, half the blade cost, uh, that sort of a thing. And, you know, that's when I'm flying at lunch with that heli, I'm, I'm actually practicing. You know what I mean? I'm I'm doing flights of yep. those Mobiuses, like Jesse was talking about, and doing the pilot proficiency program stuff, and really kind of gutting through the 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 new maneuvers and the basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, on the the seven hundred, dude, I can't go out to the field on the weekend and not fly seven hundred. That's just that's me. I love that to my core. So now. That's when I go out and I really start working on like polishing stuff mm-hmm. and having fun and, and working on autos because I don't really need to. I'm not going out at lunch shooting a battery full of autos. I'm yeah. sure I'm going for flight count. So yep. that's kind of my going to be, you know, that's what I did last year. I really enjoyed it. That's what I plan on doing again this year. Financially, it made a lot of sense. And there's yep. there's nothing That's true. There's nothing that 570 can't do, obviously, except the autos. And it's a little harder. Anything smaller is a little harder to keep track of during pirouetting stuff, like full pirouetting. Yeah, you know. You but the 570, I feel, is close enough. Yep. It's still close enough. Yeah, and I still think that's a great. I mean, I I will definitely have a 700 electric in my fleet, but. If I was to add another heli, you know, that can be kind of your backup to your 700 on the weekends. Yeah. And then your week, you know, week fly, your weekday flyer. Cause during the week, I can't fly at work, but shoot, it's light enough. It stays light enough late mm-hmm. that I can, if I head straight out from work and head to the field or something, I can get in three or four. Yeah. So. I mean, I did many days, even out at the field, flying mm-hmm. just, you know, the 570, cause I just, I really enjoyed it. But, yeah. There's still something about it that's different, and I'm going to kind of force myself not to fly it on the weekends this year. Yeah. Hmm. So Cool, man. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week. I'm hoping it's a, it's a turning point. I'm hoping to keep the, the simmer routine going. That's all. Have you made the switch yet? Well, if you haven't, then you need to get on the ball. 
Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are the perfect way to complete that perfect heli setup. From 250 to 800 class blades in precision and aggressive 3D versions, and with tail blades and night blades too, switch blades give you a large variety of options to get your heli flying the way you want to. Head over to www.bkdesignsllc.com Give them a try today, and I'm sure you'll make the switch. Yes, sir. So, two weeks, right? One of them's obviously split by OHB, and I think we'll get to that a little bit later. But the week leading up to that, you know, it was a short week for me in terms of heli stuff that didn't include OHB because I left on Wednesday morning to fly out so really um my time was my time was basically taken up by attempting to practice prior to traveling which was met with horrible failure because the weather was really bad and the field was incredibly foggy so i think i got uh i got about two or three miles from the field and the clear blue skies with sun turned into a cloud. And by the time I got to the field, I had really poor visibility, like 50 feet in front of me. So no practicing there. Uh And then I just said, screw it. We're going to pack. So uh, basically packed everything up into my a double golf car or double, yeah, double golf cart, double golf golf case. (laughs) Yeah, that would be pricey. A double golf case. Everything worked great. I only took the Diablo Speed and the Gowie R5. And then I ended up, you know, last time I put my transmitter and my tools and all sorts of stuff in that case. And it ended up getting really heavy. And that cost me a lot of money. So if you guys remember, I I want to say for Urcha this year, that ended up costing me like 350 bucks each way which was ridiculous because they get you they get you double for oversized and overweight bags. So there's the whole like 62 linear inches. If you add up uh, length, height and width and it's above 62 inches, which pretty much all of the golf cases are single or double, then you get charged like $100. And then there's also a are you above 50 pounds? And if you say yes to that, then there's another $100. And then finally, if you're above 70 pounds, they add another $100 or $150. So I was determined this time to optimize this a little bit. So what I ended up doing is going out and buying a uh, a Pelican-style case. It's the same brand that I've talked about before that I've made my charging case out of and my little tool case. It's the B&W International. And I got a 5000 series, which is, I would say, roughly equivalent to like the larger size cases that, say, uh, most people use for charging, like the progressive RC custom cases that you do like a dual power lab in. Mm -hmm. That's the size of it. So it fits my uh, jetty transmitter and it's deep so it fits the transmitter and then i can cut out like it's the peel and pluck foam i can cut out a little pocket underneath it for like the charge lead for the transmitter and some tools and stuff like that and then over to the right of that 
I was able to cut out a real deep pocket for some batteries. And uh, and then in this case, I took some, you know, spare fasteners and electrical connectors just in case I had to do stuff at the field. And so that was good because it cut about, I'd say, four or five pounds out of the case from the last time I did it. Then I took my charging case and my tool, my little toolbox, which are also in these B&W International Pelican style cases, and I packed those into like a regular piece of roller, like rolling luggage and packed my clothes sort of like under and around and on top of them. And that got in as a separate piece of luggage, which means I was able to pack the two helis with their blades and canopies and a couple of other small miscellaneous things for about 48 pounds. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what that basically meant is I only got hit by one of the charges and it's the initial oversize, like greater than 62 linear inches, which for United costs about 160 bucks. So no big deal or a hundred bucks, hundred bucks. And then I checked the other bag, which cost me like 30 bucks. So 150 or so total both ways got me all of my stuff without a problem. And then I carried on the case with my radio and my batteries because you can't check batteries. And then I had my little backpack with, you know, other miscellaneous crap in it. So that worked out really well. Uh, I was pretty excited about that. They did not give me a hard time about the batteries. In fact, on the way there, the guy's like, is this your case? You know, the TSA guy? Yeah, yeah, that's mine. I'm going to have to inspect it, but I'll tell you what, it looks like there's something really cool inside. (laughs) Because I had like, you know, I'm a sticker whore. So I had all sorts of stickers stuck to the outside of it, and it looked kind of, you know, it and it has the little... um, the uh, Ninja Raps pilot, Justin Pucci, with the RCHN logo. So I opened the thing up, and he's like, oh, man, what is that? So that's my transmitter. I fly RC helicopters. Oh, these have got to be the batteries then, huh? And he was more, like, interested in understanding what the hell I was doing with all that stuff than actually inspecting it. So he didn't even look at the packs. He just kind of like, you know how they do the thing where they rub like a little Q-tip or like a, and then they put it in the sniffer to see if you've got any bombs or, or explosives. He did that. He checked it. And as he's doing all this, he's asking me questions. So this is now the second trip, Urcha earlier this year being the other, where no one has confirmed the capacities of my packs in watt hours do you think that they really know well i I, mean you know i i don't know because i talked to another friend at ohb where they actually asked him who was it oh it was ugo um uh ugo ferry from i think he's from new york uh he's on team sab and he 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 says they asked me uh how many cells were in my pack and he's like, oh, let's see here. Do I say six or do I say seven or <laughs> and they've never done that for me. And I even post like a little I put a little sticker tab on there 
where it says the it does the math. It's like 22.2 volts times 5 amp hours equals 96 watt hours so that they can check uh, that sort of a thing. But anyway, I'm I feel pretty confident that if you wanted to, you could get multiple 7S large packs through at greater than the 110 watt hour, uh, you know, two pack max. And they're probably not going to check. It's just the, you know, the consequence of them catching it is that you get to throw those packs in the garbage or mail them, which mail them to someone. So anyway, the packing went really well. Uh, So uh, skipping past OHB for the moment, at least this week, I returned with a cold, uh, apparently too much drinking and too little sleep during the event. Uh, brought the immune system down a bit. So I've just <laughs> now gotten over that. Uh, and nice. hey, you know what, dude? It was completely worth it. So but you're doing it right then. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, but this week was an awesome week because as we talked about on the last episode, I took advantage of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And so what I had ended up doing, I bought the NX7, as, as I mentioned on Black Friday, got a killer deal at Heli Direct on the last kit they had. Then on Cyber Monday, I ended up getting a killer deal from A-Main on a YS91 Turek and the matching Hattori pipe and a, and a ProTech a remote, you know, push glow type deal. So I picked those up. And then, of course, you know, had to get some other various bits and pieces, a throttle servo and um, oh, and I got some I got some uh, cyclics and a tail actually picked those up from uh, one of our friends and warm weather dick listeners. Uh, So that was pretty cool. And, you know, all the miscellaneous bits and pieces, the fuel tubing and crap. So when I got back from OHB, all of this stuff started showing up and it was like Helly Christmas. So super excited. The NX7 is here. I showed Nick. I sent Nick a little teaser picture of like the kit box with all the different bits and pieces on top of it. I am super excited about this. I'm probably going to start building this weekend. We'll see how how crazy I get about it and maybe finish it this weekend, maybe not. But I am way looking forward to getting this Nitro running. Uh, I, I'm hoping I don't have any issues that some of uh, the other NX7 owners have had with the earlier kits. I did get a good chance to talk to some of the Gowie guys at OHB and and got some more insight on that. So I'm pretty sure all the challenges that were originally brought up have been fixed in the recent kits. And you know the model's been out since October of last year, so it's been a good year. Nice, man. And then just doing some simming, kind of like Jesse, uh, now that my season is officially over. I I got to get back to the simming thing. I have been simming a lot, but it's all been speed. As funny as that sounds. And so now I got to get, you know, get some 3D reincorporated into it. So I did a couple of nights this week already uh just getting back to the swing of things and you know, sort of like you're saying Jesse, it's it seems to be the basics that 
that are more fuzzy to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds weird, but when I go out and fly my 3D models, now, granted, I'm I'm flying at a level that's lower than like what you and Nick are doing, so I don't have as much to forget and or remember, but I generally feel pretty comfortable with 90% of the stuff, but what I don't, where I do get a little uncomfortable is in the weirder transitions where mm-hmm. you're dealing with like a funky view of the heli. And so that's what I'm working on as well. Yep. Kind of going back through some of the pilot proficiency stuff that I've already cleared off the list uh, just to kind of warm up again. Yep. Nice, man. Yeah. I can't wait for you to get that nitro up and going. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. man. I'm, I'm psyched. I just, I, I don't know what to say. I feel like one day I might get there. It is, it is huge, dude. I did now the obligatory that, pulling the canopy out, right? That's what she said. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's massive. Again. I mean, everything about it. She kept saying it. She did. She repeated. <laughs> she, repe- she repeated herself. That's a, it's a big stinking canopy. Yes, it so is. So does the canopy in person meet your expectations? Oh, hell yes. Ten times over plus some. Oh, Even wow. more than I expected. Hmm. There's just more area to rub up against, dude. Oh, gosh. Even more than the goblin. More than a goblin canopy? Oh, dude, it puts a goblin canopy to shame for size. Wow. Alrighty then. I'm gonna have to come down. It's about that yeah. time anyway. Maybe one day yeah. next year when the rain stops. We'll get it done so we can hear about it. Oh, I will. A line? Goblin? And even those that shall not be named. These are just a few of the brands that are carried by Ken over at Lower Heli. With his ever-increasing inventory, Lower Heli really is becoming a one-stop shop. The best part, though, is a great customer service and the ultra-fast shipping. So no matter what coast you fly on, you can be sure that you will get your parts fast. Order now at LowerHeli.com. All right, so let's see for myself this week. Uh, I did get, so, you know, the Black Friday thing, I actually let it go by because I was indecisive. Like I mentioned last episode, I was kind of having a hard time deciding, and then it just all finally came to a head, and I went what some would might consider a little overboard. <laughs> I should have paced myself. I did not pace myself this week. So I pretty much got almost everything coming that I need for even next year. I went ahead and uh, will be participating. Justin, you're going to be so proud in the 500 speed class now. Because the 500 Sport Speed, or as I'm going to call it, my 500 the SS. The Sport Speed, the SS. The SS, the 500 SS is a real thing, my friend. 
Yeah. Nice. 12S configuration. Hobbywing 100 HV. Um, I'm running the Hobbywing BEC, the external one. And for now, just to get it up flying, there's only one piece that I need left. Uh, put a Neo in it. So we'll be flying with the Neo in there. Uh-huh. Um, and for now, I'm just to work the paces in, and because I have it sitting there, uh, I did put the 40, that old, that old ass, my, Michael's going to be like, yeah, that's my motor. That old 40, 25, 550. Okay. Just for now, the eight pole version. Um, it will get replaced, but with all the rest of the stuff I bought, it's like, you know, this really will get me flying it, get me tuning it. Um, the pack thing is a bit of a, you know, 12S in a, in a 500 is not easy. It doesn't come just no, like. No, not at all. It doesn't come with a whole lot of options. So I kind of, I need to get that portion of it first. I'm going to try my 2730C packs just to see how they fit. And, and I kind of just really need it to, to get in my hands. Um, so yes, I got the red and white one. And it was supposed to show up today, but UPS had a mechanical issue, or so the email said, and it did not. So it will be here tomorrow. What the hell does that even mean, a mechanical issue? I don't know if, like, a truck broke down or they probably derailed or something, you know. Who knows? So while I was ordering that, I was grabbing some other, you know, bits. I'm stocking up on uh, servo arms because that, you know, having this discussion with Jesse, it's like, oh, yeah, buddy, we're going back. Like, we are game going time. back. It is game time. We are going back to old school. And you know what? If that means, like, no canopy and flying these things like I despise them, that's how it's going to be. Like, that's that's what we're going to do. Um, drop the head speed down a little bit. Drop the weight down. And just coming in hot, having some fun. So I got a bunch of servo arms, which I still have to say probably the single best thing. I mean, SAB's created some cool stuff, but my promo here today is for the servo arms. Those are, Justin, you know, I know you know how awesome they are. What, the the SAB servo arms? Yeah, the plastic ones. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I yep. see so many people with just like, their servos like rip the servo mounts clean out of the side of the frame and the case yep. is twisted and I'm like, hmm, how them aluminum arms working for you? Yeah. But you tighter. Yeah, you definitely don't want floppy ones. So anyway, stocked up on those, got some frame stiffeners, some skids, some little stuff. I haven't completely decided. I am going to take my two 700s and they are going identical. I mean, identical. Two blade on the head, uh, Hobbywing 160s, got the Scorpio motors in them, same servos, five barless, blah, 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 that whole routine, so that it can just be like, boom, drive one in, grab the other one, we're ready to go. The only thing I haven't decided on is two or three blade tail. Yeah, and that like, the three blade tail is awesome. And it has, 
you know, it's hard to say because I've only flown it on a three-blade head. So I I want to give a fair assessment. I kind of, I don't want it to be way better than the two-blade tail because then it's like, oh, man, how could you not fly the one that's not better? You know what I mean? But um, I, I, I feel like I do need to fly them back to back. I have been told by people who have flown both, like on two blade heads, back to back, they're like, dude, yeah, you're going to go with the three. Just trust me on this one. So that might be my splurge. You know what I mean? I might have to stock up on the little, on the tail pitch sliders and blades. If so, could be worse. I'll take it for the tail performance. We shall see. And then I still nice. get then I still get the cool sound. Cause I'm the tar- sound is freaking awesome. Dude. I know, but I'm trying not to make that, you know, that be like that's, a a, that's not that's not the <laughs> that's reason it. you should be getting it. That's yes. like a that's a bonus. Yes, bonus. Absolutely. Bonus. So within that order, then for some weird reason, I have absolutely no idea. There was a spontaneous wrist twitch, and I ordered a 380. Oh, oh, wait a minute. It's not Christmas yet, dude. What's going on? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I I don't I I don't know why. It was just like it seemed like the right thing to do. But I have no. I don't even know what my plan is. You know, I'll be honest. Well, I was know it what an I was, impulse buy, or had you been considering this? Oh, one hundred and ten percent impulse buy. <laughs> it's like, just like it's like. Nice. Okay, uh, let's see here. I need a few extra servo arms. Oh, um, I need some head linkages. Oh, I should probably replace a tail belt. Hey, I'm going to get a 380. Yes, that is ex- <laughs> dude, that is exactly <laughs> how, it went, how huh? it went. So here's how I have justified it, okay? And, and this is true, but... All right, get ready for some quality thinking here, Jesse. No, because no, no, I've been here. <laughs> yeah, was, I was in yeah. this spot a couple times last year. Now, it's the the couple times part that makes it humorous. Um, you know, we did a lot of uh, family camping again last year. And now with the motorhome, I mean, it's it's on, right? And I'll probably be traveling a lot more this year. And, like, for me to travel to a fun fly, since, you know, I'm not doing the speed thing, I don't, you know, if, if I'm going to go to, like, let's say Arizona or I'm going to go to OHB or something. I'm going for social aspect of it. I just want to go and hang out with the listeners. I mean, really, that's that's what it comes down to. So I don't, like Justin, I know, the, to hear you talk about, oh, dude, yeah, it was great. That only got me in under the 120. I'm a cheap ass, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Oh, dude, I get it. I mean, I spent 300 bucks to get the shit there and back. Yeah, and that's not to mention you got to buy the case and all that. So that's so unappealing to me. And then back to the camping thing, we went camping a lot, and like, you know, we always, I, I air quotes with camping. My family loves to camp where there are pools, right? The KOAs, we're hardcore on the KOAs with the pools. So a lot of time they just want to go sit by the pool during the day and I get bored. 
more often than not, I found myself going, oh, man. I just need something small that I can sneak over. I've always found a field at every single mm-hmm. one that I could fly a small heli in. And one summer, and I don't know, when was that? It was like years and years and years ago. I had a Rave 450. Jesse, you remember that? Mm-hmm. And Justin, you got the case. Yep. Well, that's what I did with that heli that summer was I took it with me and flew it camping, and oh my God, did I get the flights in. I got like 40-something flights in that weekend, and it was awesome. So this is my sick and twisted justification, is that mm-hmm. I will have this thing. I'm going to buy the case for it, that that soft-padded SAB you case. You have to, dude, absolutely. And that is going to be my travel heli. That I will travel with, you know, even if it's like to fun flies or to, you know, family camping or or if we're going to go visit someone or something like that. I'll do that. Even if I don't get to use it, at least it's it's all there. can put like the GT500 in there with it. So I've got something to charge with, you know, half a dozen packs. Good to go. It's a big. I think ex- it makes perfect sense. It, yeah. It's a big expense for how little it might get used, but I don't know. It was my impulse buy, right? What color <laughs> did you get? I think I got the, the yellow and the blue one to match. It was it was so impulsive. He doesn't I don't even, even remember. He can't <laughs> even remember. <laughs> doesn't even no, remember. I, there was... I know I got the yellow and the blue one because for me, I love the visual aspect of that to see it in the air. And I'm yep. thinking, okay. I really want this thing as visible as possible. I mean, I could get away with switching colors on the 700s to pretty much whatever I want. I'm not worried about that, but with a 380, you know. But, dude, the black and the red, it started to grow on me. Oh, see, now that, if before spring I feel like being impulsive again, I'll be switching the 700s to the black and the red. Like, I love... I want to redo my Goblin Speed in black and red carbon. Ooh, yes. It is lighter. But to, to redo redo your heli, you have to buy a canopy and a boom, right? Yeah. Yes. And like a tail fin? Um, no. Or is a tail fin car- just no, carbon? No, when you buy the tail fin and the skids, actually, they come with um, the different colors stickers in the package. Oh, you're not oh, supposed okay. to put the stickers on there. They look stupid. Yeah, You too. look stupid. I don't use any of those stickers. Do you use those stickers, dude? <laughs> yeah. Nah. My 380 and my my Goblin Speed are just naked. Naked carbon? Yep. Nah. Nope. No thanks. So then it was, you know, then I was like all excited, maybe a little bit regretful. And then so then you're it's like you're committed, right? Well, okay, I can't just buy the kit. Now I need to get some servos. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm you take know. this one slow. You know, we got we got another three or four months of winter. I figure I'll pick up a piece or two once a month. No. <laughs> now nah, we're going to get it all at once. So I did. Uh, I ordered the servos for it. Got the BKs uh, to support Bert. Uh, yeah, then it was, you know, speed controller. Justin, I know you've used the, the 50 amp. Hobby wing. That oh, was yeah, a, dude. I mean, that was a no-brainer for me. Um, so I got that one coming. 
And then came the motor. And, you know, I got to thinking about it. And I felt like, here we go. This is the perfect opportunity and the perfect time to finally step out of my years and years and years of just flying Scorpion motors. Um, So I am going to be dabbling and trying lots of different stuff from now on. I did actually step down from the Scorpion team. Absolutely nothing, nothing negative against uh, George and Tony. Those guys are, are incredible. The support that they do for the hobby, they've been great to me. It's just, you know, it, it was... There are things that I would like to be open with. There are things that I don't really have any desire to try a whole bunch of different stuff. You know, like for me this year, the the speed controllers. To me, speed controllers are, you know, I'm just not, I've had such bad luck with uh, with just all the, the governor and the this and the BEC or no BEC and that one once, you know, I tried the hobby wings and they were dialed and I felt confident. It's like I have no desire to fly anything else now for those. So I ordered an X Nova for the three eighty. Oh nice. Yep. Gonna try it. Had Which to Which one? The non Tarek one. The eight ninety. That's what I'm running. Yep. I yeah. think you'll like it. It's a it's a nice little motor. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's it was weird. It's kind of a weird feeling to order something like that because it's like now I have to go, I have to go learn all of the other manufacturers' numbers and which motor. It's like I haven't even looked at anything in a really long time. You know, but true. So yes, I will be taking probably one of my older mini B bars and putting it on that one. And then maybe after the sting wears off a little bit, I'll I'll end up. I still have a couple more neos that I need to get before spring to replace to replace some of my minis. I'm not too worried about the full size. Yes, uh, and my radio showed up. Oh, heaven. finally! I have never. You know what? And, and yeah, here's a here's a little audio clip. For you people who pitch me crap about being a V-Control fanboy. Suck it. And you know why? This confirms my excitement. I was just as excited to get this radio back as I was the day that I bought it. And that's, that is 100% true. I mean, me and my kid every day was like, you think it's going to show up today? I'm so excited. I freaking love it. Good. Yeah. And the first thing I did, plug it back in, got the 570 ready because I had to, you know, do change up some stuff there. Um, I just got that one ready and then went straight to the sim with it. And Jesse, my boy, Yo, we're up? on it now. Let's hit it. I'm, I'm hitting it. I still got to start. So we had talked about starting that spreadsheet. Yeah. And I, I threw together like a rough outline. But like I said, I've I've just been hitting the basics, so I haven't put together like a comprehensive spreadsheet yet. But I'm doing. I did. Um, I I set 15 minute alarms 
Okay. So I went out for 15 minutes and just worked on um, actually like just Mobius's all orientation stuff. Mm-hmm. Did that for about 15 minutes. And then, um, you know, something that I'm really going to work on this year is my funnels. Now, I can throw down some mean tail down funnels. Yeah. I mean, no problem there. Full control on them. Uh, not a problem. My inverted nose down, <laughs> not so much. Nose down funnels in any orientation are boring looking, though. Not, no. In my no. opinion. They are boring upright. They have turned awesome mm-hmm. to me, inverted, because nah. no one does them anymore. But so here's the thing. Why? Well, here here's why. Justin and Jesse, I know you guys have seen me do this. I have a couple of, I'll go out every now and then if I'm feeling really good, and I can throw down some fairly, fairly aggressive uh super slow pirouetting funnels mm-hmm. like where you're you're 90 degrees on the tail at each 90 degree of the funnel you know um but i fly through a couple of those if that makes sense like I, they're not i'm only correcting and cl- like correcting it during two of the four orientations as you go around yeah and something that I really want to accomplish this year is my pirouetting funnels, pirouetting Mobiuses, um, my inverted pirouetting loops, and I actually want to do um, skids out pirouetting loops. And I think all of that plays into I really need to get my funnel orientations down. Yep. Like to where I can fly tail in each position very comfortably. Build that foundation. Yep. Because, I mean, obviously I can do, you know, hurricanes tail first and I can get into my, I guess if you call it a hurricane when you're, when you're nose first or whatever, whatever you want to call that. I'm very comfortable there, um, but I, I'm not super comfortable. I'm, I'm good tail down, but it's that nose down that's just, dude, I totally fly through it. I mean, really bad. So... That's what I kind of worked on for about 10 minutes was just focusing on the funnels, not working on much pirouetting stuff. And then I treated myself for the last 10 minutes and uh, went back to, you know, goofing around with Piro TikToks and bunny hops mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I gave myself a little bit of goof off time. but I was amazed at how fast. So like after four days doing, you know, every single day, 10 minutes of figure eights, every orientation, and then Moby says every orientation, funnels every orientation, how quickly they started cleaning up. You know, it's it kind of revalidated my, you know, maybe the mountain isn't as big as it seems. Just need to have consistency. I agree. And- I completely agree. Because I, even even the first night that I did it, I started doing my pair flips at the end, you know, and I'm like, ooh, geez, yeah, those yeah. are kind of ugly, right? What are those? Those are kind of <laughs> ugly. And I, I actually told myself, dude, don't even try right rudder tonight. Like, just don't even go there. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, you know, that lasted for 30 seconds. And I started doing the right rudder, and I'm sitting here. The right rudder ones are holding in place on the deck on the sim better than the left rudder ones. And I actually kind of realized... Yep that I put so much time in last year on the sim, right rudder pair flips, 
but just never like put my big girl panties on and force myself to do it more in real life. Like that, I firmly believe that my right rotor pyro flip stick movement is burned into my head. Like I need to keep ready to go for yeah, real life. It, it really is ready to go. I just never unleashed it last year. I cut myself short um, because I put in the sim time on it. I mean, that's all I did on the sim pretty much last year was that and pro TikToks. And I just never bucked up and did it. And, and I really cut myself short. I didn't realize how much of a little bitch I was when it came to those. Like, I was just, well, it's, it's like I pussed out. Yeah. You know, too worried about something. Because if you can go this long without simming and just drop them right out on the sim, right on the deck, yeah, you really better be doing them every flight in real life. No question. Yep. So, yeah, it did. Felt good. But that, um, oh, yes. DT520 in the three digi update, having a hoot. Um, Ben fly. I actually got out at lunch one day. Oh my God. The clouds, ah, the clouds didn't part, but the rain stopped for one day, about two hours in the middle of a day. And it happened to fall on my lunchtime. Awesome. More flights on that. Really digging it. Haven't had a single issue yet. I'm really shocked at the three digi. Like they, they've done some homework on this. Pyro consistency seems really, really good. I had no problem. Like, even the first flight out of my backyard with it, you know, okay, check tail, make sure the tail gain's close enough, this and that, right out into pyro flipping it and stuff, and just didn't have a, um, I've never felt uncomfortable with it at all or, or had a lack of confidence. So that's pretty good. And the 525 is really nice. I mean, it's just a smooth... It, it's just a smooth workhorse. That's what it kind of strikes me as. Just a really good, nice, smooth workhorse. So, yeah, look forward Sweet. to uh, doing the final reviews on those. So, what do we think? Do we have any news? I've got one little bit of news. Not little, but, but I mean one piece of news. One bit. One bit. Yeah. Okay. Even though all of us on the show may be quite knowledgeable about helicopters, this doesn't mean we know a dang thing when it comes to web design. This is where our pal Larry comes in, the owner of Superiosity. We gave him quite the challenge with our long list of must-haves and our desire for an ultralight and efficient website. But with the progress we've seen so far, we are sure that everyone is going to love the new RCHN website. When you find yourself in need of a web designer, be sure to head over to superiority.com for all your website needs. Well, let's, uh, who would, Justin, you always yes. do a fine job. Yeah. I feel like this you do week's a very- news is brought to you by superiority.com. Check out Dude Man Larry. For all your web hosting needs. Web hosting. Oh, see, I douched it up. Larry, (laughs) you don't do web hosting, but you do like web page building and maintenance. Design. Design. Design, building, design. That's right. DudeManLarry.com. 
Okay. okay. So my quick bit of news comes to us from uh, listener and good friend Josh Hilder, Down Under. Give me an accent there, Nick. Dan Under. Dan Under. I feel like that one's getting really good. It is. Can I, I have? I, yeah. Can I have some Australian yay or nay? I, I need a post up in Heli Free. You know that what? Says, Actually, I, I'm. I'm. So, Josh, you're listening to this. I know you are. You need to get on your phone and do a quick little recording of some <laughs> catchy Australian phrases so that we can hear them. And if you so uh, choose, then we'll actually put them on the show next week and then see if Nick can repeat them with the same yeah. quality of accent. Ooh. Huh? Oh, I signed you up, Nick. You're on already, right? Challenge. I'll, I'll go along with it. Challenge accepted. Okay. So that's that's your homework, Josh. But Josh wanted to let us know that this coming February 19th through the 21st in Wagga Wagga, Australia, there is the well-known Wagga Wagga Heli Heat Wave. Can you Fun say fly. Wagga Wagga for me two more times? Yeah. Wagga Wagga, times. Wagga 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 Wagga. <laughs> How do you say it in Australian? Wagga Wagga. Oh, I don't know. It sounds the same. It sounds, sounds the same, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. The Heli Heat Wave is February 19th through the 21st in Wagga 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 Wagga, Australia. And, uh, you know, we've we've heard from listeners on this. This is actually, from what I understand, it's one of the larger events that they have down there each year. And the heat wave part is not a joke either, because this is like in the dead of their summer. So it gets freaking hot. So if you are either Dan and or have a desire to travel down under, then uh, hit up. The hell heat wave. Sounds very feminine when you say it. Down under? <laughs> yeah, I feel like at the end of it, you roll into a little bit of a breathy. Well, and I just see you kind of like putting your hand out and snapping your wrist, you know? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> hey, uh, see, I, I I have no idea, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. I'm sure Josh will let us know on that one, too. Well, I do have a couple of small news things here to add to yours. Rev Electrics has put out, this is pretty cool, the GT500 Duo. You know that, that? Oh, I saw this. Yeah. That darn little bugger has become fairly popular for being only two, uh, for being only 500 watts. So they decide to make it in the Duo configuration, which is super freaking cool. I have had uh, pretty much, you know, I had another listener come up. Uh, we were messing around with it while we were working on uh, working on his stuff. I've had other people stop by. Every person that I have talked to that has tried the the GT five hundred has just been tickled with the ease of use. Um, to the point where Dan says he was even thinking about getting some of them to use at work because they're just they're so easy to use to charge anything that you need. So I think it's kind of cool. That they're doing it. Um, they're taking pre-orders now for a delivery in early January. Don't price two fifty-five. Aha! Not bad. Not bad at all. I'm still waiting for that same interface and something powerful like a dual power lab <laughs> eight. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. That's uh, very fair. Us power-hungry guys, we need that. Yeah. Yes. So MSH has, this is pretty cool, Bluetooth module now for use with Apple. For all you iOS junkies, you can grab this Bluetooth module. The app in the App Store, I think, is 10 bucks. The Bluetooth module is $59.99, MSH USA. Go get your tune on. I think that if I was a non-V-Control guy, this is pretty much how I would be rolling. That's what I was just going to say. If I couldn't adjust you know, my flybarless system with my transmitter, this is definitely where I would probably find myself. Yeah, this guy has gotten pretty spoiled and... You know, it used to be like, ah, it doesn't matter. I have my laptop. doesn't matter. I have my laptop. Yeah, it matters. <laughs> it, matters. <laughs> it matters. I would be all Bluetooth. I mean, you know, you can go pick up old phones or tablets, especially a lot of the Android stuff, for just dirt cheap now. I mean, dirt cheap. 50 bucks, 100 bucks for a really nice tablet. So Bluetooth programming for me uh, is a must. That is all I have. Anyone else? Nope. Negative. Justin. This week's news has been brought to you by Superiority.com. Dude Man Larry for all of your website design needs. Awesome. I can give you guys a little bit of an update. I have seen more and more and more of the new website being built in the background Awesome. It's looking good, dude. You know, he has put in so much time into the little details. And that is, you know, we really appreciate it. Obviously, the the goal of this is to clean it up and make it more efficient. That's the main goal. Uh, Mobile, yes. So we will have a, uh, a mobile website where you can go on, look at tech tips, all that kind of stuff. It won't be clunky, I promise. It'll work on all of your devices, all browsers. Woohoo! Um, and it'll be fast. That's that's another big thing for us. Those were the two things to create something that would last and that wouldn't be constantly having issues like our ex- existing one did. But he's kind of gone above and beyond with the little teeny RCHN details. Just these little things that I can't wait for you guys to see. Um, that that really you know sets it apart from other stuff so thank you larry we appreciate it when you're done messing around with removing the head to use an old school swash leveler or being too lazy to even do that and just using the zip tie method then pick yourself up a soko heli tool the soko is a unique setup system that takes one tool for all brands and all sizes of helis Two blades, three blades or more, different swash configurations, you name it, the Soko has you covered. Be sure to pair up your Soko Heli tool with the Soko mobile app as well, available on Android and iOS. This app greatly simplifies setup and will have you up and running with a precisely leveled rotor head in no time. Visit www.soko-heli-tools.com today and take your setup to the next level. So let's see. What the heck, Justin? You yes. were at OHB. I, I want to talk about that. 
Yeah, let's talk because, OHB. Uh, there's there's a couple things. Uh, there's some a whole bunch. You know, OHB is a, its own unique animal because especially now this year, this year it's turned into like a three headed dragon. We've got the multi GP going on. Then you had the speed, which was the first time this year, correct? Yep. And then the fun fly. And I would like to start off with the speed with a very large congratulations, Mr. Pucci. Bringing home a first and second place trophy. And does this mean that you are the defending champion with the R5? Yeah, I think it does. It does mean that because I won the Urcha Speed Cup too. You know, I mean, the class is still small, so um, you got to hey, take that into consideration. But yeah, I, I would, I would embrace that. Hey, you didn't have to bring that up. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, it it bears mentioning. But yeah, dude, all the same. Yes, I so, I was really excited. Thank you for the congratulations. So give me a, a a quick rundown of how the speed cup went. I do believe there's some more <gasps> moments in there as there well are, as some clapping. There are, yes. Yes, a so, little. So, uh, yeah, w- without getting too crazy, we got some other stuff we want to get to. But how was the speed portion? The speed cup went really well. Of course, that was Thursday. And Thursday was new for a couple of different reasons. One is it's the first time OHB has ever had a four-day officially sanctioned event. And on that that first of four days, we decided to do the first ever speed cup. So, you know, as you'd expect with any fun fly, it's a little bit quieter. Uh, but I think if I remember having spoken to Bert and Carrie about it, we had somewhere in the range of 100 or so, maybe a little bit more pilots by that point. Uh, and, and we had some 3D flying going on as well as some speed practice. We did close the flight line down for a couple of hours so that people could get speed practice in. But we started out with about 12 or 13 people that had pre-registered to fly speed, uh, or if they hadn't pre-registered, they notified me verbally or over the internet uh, beforehand. And so we ended up doing our pilots meeting. And of course, people are always interested in just seeing what's going on. And I offered to put on a seminar. And so we did myself and my friend Santiago, who uh, I was co-leading this with, actually co-leading with Santiago and my buddy Ben Chance. Uh, The three of us also did Urcha Speed Cup. We put on a little speed seminar, kind of like what I did at our fun fly in September and actually got a really good turnout for that. Spent about 20 or 30 minutes talking. And by the end of it, we had gotten more people to sign up. So we we started the competition at right about 2.30 in the afternoon just to give some of the people that had made that that split-second decision the time to get their models set up and get a couple of practice runs in. And we we had 22 people competing. Nice. So we went from 13 to 22, so added nine right there on the fly, which is really freaking cool. Um, we, we had, let's see here, uh, just, just for some numbers, we had five people compete in the U2 class, which is the classic unlimited with full fuselage. 
We had two people in U1, which is the high voltage, like up to 16S pod and boom. We had seven people compete in S3, which is the stock class for 700 pod and booms. We had five people compete in S2, which is the stock class for the 500 to 600s. That's where the R5 flies. And then we even had three Goblin 380s do the S1 on the 120 meter course, which was really pretty cool. I think all three of the S1 guys were last minute signups. So that that was pretty exciting. Um, you know, the 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 course itself, there are a lot of people that were nervous about flying at OHB because if you guys remember correctly, it's sort of surrounded by power poles and trees. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a mental thing than anything. Uh, when you actually walk the course and then fly it, you find that you've got a whole hell of a lot more room than you really expect. Uh, so uh, a lot of us were actually flying clean pre-staged 200 meter courses even though we didn't have an official pre-stage for the uh for the cup it's definitely possible to do uh we ended up getting through the whole competition so all 22 people and rate about two and a half hours two rounds too so some perspective right we had like 40 or 42 people at our speed cup we did one round uh, and we got through that, and I'd say about two and a half or three hours. This one, we had 22 people, and we did two rounds and got through them in about the same amount of time. It was cloudy and overcast the entire time, so we didn't really have to worry about the sun. So that was, you know, that was kind of nice. Uh, and, you know, the guys, everyone really had a lot of fun. It was a lot more low key than the main event. We, like we said, we probably only had 100 people or so there, uh, registered pilots, had a lot of spectators that just wanted to come and watch. Uh, we got Nick Johnson on the mic that was doing announcing the people's names, basically what's their name, what are they flying, what class. Um, of course, when I got up there, him and Bert decided to give me a little bit more of a ribbing. Uh, as I was starting to fly my R5 flight, which was fun, and I didn't mind. That's perfectly fine. But we wanted them to keep it a little quiet for when everyone else went so that they felt like they could actually focus. And, um, oh, let's see here. Uh, we got, oh, we got Bert and Kyle Stacy to compete. <laughs> Bert competed in Unlimited 2 with the Goblin Speed Competition. And in uh, S2 with the Goblin 500 Sport, and then Kyle competed in the Goblin with the Goblin 500 Sport as well. And these were just like 3D setups. Like I don't think they did any tuning. They're just like, all right, we're gonna try to make it go fast. Uh, so, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but I, I think the the best part of the Speed Cup, from my perspective, was to see the excitement. Uh, from everyone everyone was super excited they were having fun they were nervous i mean people that go out there and fly in front of crowds on a regular basis and they were shaking like a leaf and you know it's 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 kind of we've used this before but it's kind of like a great equalizer in that sense um you know going out there and trying to push the limits of the machine it gets you to a different different type of adrenaline i think than throwing down and doing all the 3D stuff. Uh, so 
uh, at the end of the day, um, we basically had two trophies per class, and there were five total classes. And I, I think by now you probably have seen the trophies. They are they were uh, very very nice. They're glass plates with the logo for the Speed Cup uh, that Burt's graphic designer put together. Uh, the dates and the class and the place and all of that. Um, and this was, of course, fully sponsored by George Van Gansen of Scorpion Power Systems. So we were you know, super happy that he was willing to step up and sponsor the event, even though at the last minute he didn't end up coming, which was kind of a bummer because, you know, George is a speed guy. He's been doing it for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that that was. That's I'd say that's sort of like the top level overview. Um, Santiago, my buddy Santiago, who's been competing in all forms of heli and airplane stuff for 35 plus years, ended up uh, uh, getting a well-deserving win in Unlimited. Uh, he beat me out. I got second place. He beat me by about 6.4 miles per hour on the final average. Bert only came in third place to me by about a half a mile per hour. Oh, so he really? got close. Nice. He got really close. Yeah. Wow. And you know he I mean it's not like he's been out practicing too much. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I can tell you guys, all you Spartan people out there that want to fly speed, Bert was flying in the new speed mode that Angelos just announced. And it flies clean and it flies smooth. So I witnessed it. It's right there. Go go put your style slider to 100% and let her rip. Just don't take off with it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, that's true. Yeah. Fl- yes. Flip into that after. <laughs> yeah. That's, go, re- go read about that. That's, yeah. that's another thing that we want to make sure. And Yeah. Don't just put it in that and go and take off. I think most of the guys that are using it are setting it up on their their bank switching with their head speed. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh U1 and and also S3 were taken first place by Chip Perrette, who uh those people who have been in the speed scene for the last couple of years know Chip. He's a great guy, great pilot and he flies a a, a set of twin Goblin 700 speeds the original Goblin 700 speed and uh, one on 14S, one on 12S. And so he won uh, first in both of those by a fair margin. On U1, he won by 20, 22 miles an hour. And on U or on S3, he won by 15. Wow. So he really pushed it. And then S2, of course, we already talked about. Um, I got first on that. Now, uh, you know, first place aside, what I was really excited about were the actual numbers that I put up. So my run, my highest speed run was my right pass, 254.4 kph, which is 158 average. And the total average was 248.8 or 154.5 on a, a freaking 600. That's pretty. If you look at the numbers, that is the fourth fastest model in the entire competition. If I had competed in Unlimited 2, it would have come in fourth just behind Burt. On a 600. Yep. 
And that particular highest speed pass, the 158 mile an hour pass, uh, hit a peak speed of 223 miles an hour at the bottom of the reverse Cuban 8. That's moving. Yes. That is moving. And it's only 14 degrees of pitch and 3,200 RPM. So. <laughs> it's only 32. There's, only. there's more to go, <laughs> my friends. So, so okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. We need to get to something more serious here. I heard there was an oops. Oh, there was an oops. Yeah, okay. Here's the deal. Diablo Speed. Misses number 40. My number 40. Fifth pass from left to right out over the big tall trees. I lose the tail. Exactly the same failure that occurred in June. Just prior to uh, the Urcha Speed Cup. Uh, Now, first and foremost, I was happy that it occurred at that point. And that's typical for speed. Failures don't occur in a straight line. Failures occur at the beginning or the end of the run because that's where you put the most stresses uh, to the model. Uh, but, you know, long story short, the the tail exploded. I lost tail control. Immediately, everyone's like, hold, hold, hold. But I've been there, done that before. We're not holding yet. We're stirring to get it flat, which I did. Uh, I then throttle holded and attempted to auto it down. But what the problem I ran into was that when it stopped spinning, it stopped spinning in either tail in or nose in. And I say it that way because to this moment, I still don't know. Um, and it was overcast. So I had a silhouette. And so I. Which I, isn't much of one when it's like an inch and a half wide. Right. So it, it got me tripped out a little bit and it ended up being a lot further away than I thought like I thought it was going to come down on the field that's what I was planning for and so I'm I'm trying to auto it I'm trying to auto it it's not as good as I wanted it to it was coming down pretty fast and then it disappears I'm like what what the hell just happened holy shit it went into the trees how was I that far away well it, it just gives you some perspective when you're moving at those speeds you cover distance pretty quickly And so, anyway, it went down in the trees. Uh, Of course, an entire search party was launched with, like, three or four golf carts and 20 people. Um, Dieter and Gina Tucker and um, uh, Jeffrey and a handful of other people came out and helped. Now, that whole treed area is bordered by barbed wire fence. Uh, So my buddy Ben dove over the barbed wire fence and cut up his leg. And just as he landed, Dieter's like, I found a hole in the fence. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back there. Why is all the best stories involved? It's it's always Dieter. It's always Dieter, Dieter, right, man? (laughs) So um, it's, it's a lot thicker back there than you think when you look at it from afar. And it's sandy. And they're like weeds and vines. And as I'm walking, Gina tells me, oh, by the way, there are also rattlesnakes back here. Oh, and we've had many helis go down in this area, and most of them are still here. And I'm thinking, that's great. I I just blew up my speed heli. I'm not going to find it. And on my way back, I will get bitten by a rattlesnake. That will will be my (laughs) day. Perfect. 
We ended up finding it. I didn't find it, but uh, someone of the search party did. It turns out visually it's not nearly in as bad condition as we all thought. Uh, One blade actually survived and could fly again to give you some perspective. The other blade, not so much. Uh, The telltale characteristic of one tail grip uh, and tail hub shaft missing was present, which is exactly what I expected after it had happened. Uh, There was a big chunk taken out of the bottom of the fuselage that I will likely never get back because I don't know where it ended up. And other than that, you know, a couple of broken links here or there. Um, The cosmic fan got pulled off and then the cosmic got pushed forward and kind of like the output terminals ran into my motor but that's just all superficial uh so it it survived a lot better than i expected it is not a total loss but we're talking about a one in 50 limited edition speed heli here and so what that not as bad as i expected translates to is probably about fifteen hundred dollars Oh, jeez. Oh, 850 of which is just the fuselage. Man. So. Uh, wow. I'm not even sure what, what went say. through my yeah, head. Any thought I had about speed previously is gone. <laughs> it, it, it exploded. <laughs> so, so we talked about this and, and Nick actually, Nick Johnson asked when I got back what I, what I was thinking. And I'll tell you what I said. Uh, First and foremost, the first thought I had was I'm glad that it happened away from everyone because it's safety first. Right. And so that that was first on my mind. But once it went down and I came to the realization that I was unable to successfully auto it. The first thing that I thought was, did I get at least two scorable passes? Yes. Okay, good. We're, We're doing well. Okay, next check. Was this the last competition of the year? Yes. And when's the next one? Urcha in August. That means I've got time to get this thing <laughs> rebuilt. <laughs> nice. So, you know, it, it, it ended up working out. And and I told you know, I, I told everyone there, they were all bummed out about it. It really didn't hit me as bad as that I think people expected. I'm glad it happened to me and not some of the newer people that were just getting started. And the reason I say that is because um, after you've been doing it for a while, you expect it's going to happen at least at some point eventually, right? So you got to be prepared for that. But if this is your first competition and your first entry into speed and you blow up your helicopter, that's probably going to leave a scar that's hard to make you go (laughs) back and speed fly again. That's not a scar, Justin. That's an amputation. On the other, you're, you're right. On the other hand, I'm glad that it happened because it also provides some perspective to those new people who may take for granted that, well, it can handle 3D flight, so it can handle speed. Well, guys, this is what at stake. We're putting these things at the limits of their capabilities. So it ended up working out. So are those for, for that helicopter is, is the fuselage and the parts available or is I mean, how long does it take? Yeah, to get the parts, parts are available. The okay. fuselage. Um, I'm going to talk to Chuck and Gerd. We've already been. I mean, Chuck was there. So, we, of course, we had conversations and Gerd knew about it almost immediately. And we were texting back and forth to figure out what the situation was. 
I don't know why it happened. It's happened twice. Um, the best we can come up with right now is that um, there may be a very specific resonance at the head speed under load that I'm running. Um, it also could be a tail blade thing or it could be a material thing. We, we you know, we just don't know. But uh, we're going to look into it and, and go from there. So that's the story. By now, you've seen all the, the photos circulated around. I, you know, I, I come back on the golf cart. Nick texts me and is like, <laughs> how bad is it? Just out of nowhere. I'm like, I'm in the, in the zone. Like, I'm, I, I got to go and compete now again and make sure everyone's all lined up. I don't know what he's talking about. So I'm like, how bad is what, dude? And he's like, the Diablo. I'm like, wait a minute. How did you even know about that? <laughs> he's like, dude, I knew about it before you guys even found it. I got that text on the damn golf cart driving back with the heli. Thank you to all my wonderful friends at OHB for how, keeping me. How did me. you find that out? I, I'm going to leave my source unnamed. Uh, but that was Priceless. awesome because, because it was followed by, I probably wouldn't text him. He looks a little upset. <laughs> so first thing i do oh fuck that hey how bad is it yeah perfect you gotta know our relationship and then he says pictures and i didn't respond because i was busy and then like 10 minutes later he's like too soon <laughs> too soon, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> oh, that's what friends are for right yep 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 oh so that that was the speed cup um it was an amazing event. Thanks to everyone that came out and that helped the volunteers. Thanks to Burton Carey for giving us the opportunity. Uh, I think we made at least another four or five people that are now interested in giving it a try. Uh, you know, Justin Cook, you know, Justin from SAB, yep, yep. Um, Christopher Diamante, and then um, Jerry Woodrow. Those were the three 380 guys flying S1. They had a blast. I'm talking to Justin and John Cook, and they want to try to play around with it and maybe even do a dedicated 380 and see what else they can get out of it. Uh, Hunter McWilliams, who's on uh, Team Rotary Wing RC, just on a whim did it on his 700 Goblin, came in second place behind Chip, and he's hooked. He Now he wants to give it a try. He wants to compete at Urcha. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty freaking cool. It was a good feeling. Awesome. When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. Okay, so talk to me about this uh, this multi-rotor thing because, man, I got... Oh, boy. Wow, did I... Oh, boy. I don't, I don't really know, like, what sparked it. Um, but I got a lot of messages from people and Justin, this was even before you said anything to me. 
they just started rolling, rolling in. in. And and it was like, wow, I don't think you would like this. Yeah. So and so explain, you know, I I got my explanation from them, but I want to know what what was your experience there? Yeah, I it's it's a worthwhile conversation to have um, to set the stage. The multi GP was an all, you know, an all week, all day event, basically during the same time as OHB on the same site. And for those people who are familiar with the OHB site, you got the main flight line and that's where we held the speed cup. And then on the north side uh, to the. I'll say it's to the west of the flight line. So where the vendors and the spectators are behind that, you've got the parking lot area. And usually it's a big grassy field that sits north of the road that you drive into the field on. And at at, uh, this particular event, that whole open area was taken up by the multi GP guys. And so they had cordoned it off with, you know, police tape and stuff. And they set up a big course and actually the course like, before we get into the details, the course was pretty cool. They've got all the different gates and, you know, the little like hula hoop looking things and the the parabola or arcs or whatever. And they're twisting and turning all over the place. But one thing that I had personally never seen before, except for maybe a couple of times in videos, is they now they have like 3D obstacles. And what I mean by that is like it's a it's like a the best I can describe it is it is like a like a scaffolding that you mm-hmm. would build up a multi-level scaffolding to like work on the side of a building, except for they kind of they block off faces of it to make compartments and stuff like that. And you have to say, for example, you come around a turn and go through a little uh, hula hoop. And then you turn again and you enter into the bottom of this scaffolding in an opening. And then you have to stop and pull vertical and go up like eight or 10 feet and then level out and go through another hole out the other side of the scaffold. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's it's very 3D and it's it's very like stop and go. So you get through there as quickly as you can by going all smooth and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Uh, they were sponsored by Red Bull, among other things, which I was actually really surprised with because, man, I, I, how come the Red Bull guys don't want to come and sponsor the helicopter people? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> anyway, the the interesting thing about the multi-GP, other than the actual flying, which I still am interested in and I want to give it a try, was the culture. Uh, you You can... You can definitely tell there's a difference between these people and us as a heli hobby. What I observed after going over there multiple times, first and foremost, they're very clicky. Uh, you know how in a heli heli community, we're all out at the field, we're hanging out, we're having fun. Even if we're having a competition like a speed cup or a grassroots 3D thing, we're still all talking and hanging out and doing our thing, right? This was like hardcore clicks, like little sub teams. And I I, look, I don't know all the different vendors, so I can't identify who was sponsored by who. Not all of them had like vendor identifying attire on. But there there was just an air of like 
silence, like not a lot of communication between little groups of flyers. Um, and when you do go over there, they're not nearly as inviting. Like they were, they were sort of cold shouldering a lot of people that I could see. Um, they, they're just, I don't know. They don't, they don't fit in. Like I immediately got the the feeling of, okay, forget it. I'm done. I don't want to do this shit. These guys, they they seem miserable. They don't talk to anyone. Um, they're just really different. I heard, I I heard a pretty good explanation, uh, from a friend that has done the competition scene. Because I asked him, and I was like, you know, is there is there really? Like, I heard this from a lot of people, that they were just, they weren't necessarily talking bad about it. It was just, wow, you and your personality would just eat through these people. <laughs> like, I don't know if you could hold yourself back because it's, you know, when I go out there to a fun fly, yes, I have my moments where I like my solitude, um, you know, to just kind of kick back and rewind. And it's usually because I'm go, 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 go the whole time. When I when I need to shut down, I really need to shut down. But there seemed to be, you know, I, I they said, yeah, it's just different because it's competition. Like that's what it's really turned into. Everything is just about competing. And so when you go to these big events, you have to remember – that it is a competition, and as the hobby gets more popular and more popular, the prizes get bigger and bigger, and the competition's going to get more fierce. And in any competition, it seems like the more competitive it gets, the more douchey mm -hmm. it gets. And I heard lots of references to the car scene. Like, this is basically yes. just... It's just RC hmm. cars. I mean, that's, that's exactly what, it is. what I felt. Interesting. Where and, and, yet, and again, I've got a number of friends in the RC car scene who believe that it's quite a bit more comfy and social at at the top of the competition than what I seem to observe here. I mean, I I think Nick, one thing that. Uh, that to me strikes me as being a little unique and you kind of hit on it, right? Is that it's all for the competition, but it, it goes beyond that, right? Because RC helicopters, you can compete, right? You can do 3d, you can do F3C, F3N, you can do speed, all that sort of a thing, but you don't need to compete because there is plenty of content to keep you busy as an amateur, mm -hmm. as a, as just yeah. a regular weekend warrior with the multi-rotor scene the 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 thing i struggle with is that if i'm not going to compete then that gets boring really fast right yeah because at the end of the day what am i going to do i'm going to go and take this little 250 fly it around my field with goggles and look at trees and bushes and i don't have anyone to race against uh, yeah okay i could set up a course but that only goes so far so really there is the flying it is just a means to the end and the end is i want to win yeah that's what this that's what a couple yeah. people said they were just saying i i i did this as like freestyle for fun but it didn't get fun to me until i started competing 
And now I'm really hooked because that it's like I want to compete to win. And, you know, we're so opposite of that. I think like I, I, I feel like this year the the heli community, uh the the hel- the RC helicopter culture really learned how not when not done properly, the competitive aspect aspect can be very destructive to the hobby. I mean, we had some competitions across, you know, in the U.S. and in other parts of the world to go very, very bad and have struggled because of the nature of competition. Uh, they, yeah. they just have to be set up so flawlessly. So, you know, whereas over here, me and my personality, and again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying for, for Nick, it would not be a good fit because I just want to go out and fly and have fun, period. I don't know my so my argument to this would be you know like you're you're talking about the whole competition scene kind of spoiling it for you know you getting one or getting into the hobby. I mean, I look at it for okay, let's take Auden, your son for example, Nick. Mm-hmm. He has an RC car. Does he care one little bit about the RC, the competition scene of RC cars? Is that even a thought in his mind when he's driving his RC car? Oh no. No, 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 and, and I also don't want. I know that there are a lot of a lot of guys that are down, you know, at their local field, and they got half a dozen or maybe ten guys locally that so love yeah, flying I, and, and having so fun. I still don't think that if it was like you, myself, a couple other people locally, I guarantee you we'd still have a who. No, but uh, I guess what I'm getting at is the the large event size of it. Yeah, like no, for, you for know, sure. But if, if I go to kind of, if I go to this event, you know, which would be that that's kind of my personality. I'd be like, oh, it would be if it's fun to fly here at home. I could. It mm-hmm. would be more fun to go fly other places. It would yep. just not clash with my. It would or it would clash with See, my I, personality. I t- I totally agree, and I don't think after hearing the experiences and the attitude of the you know just people. Uh, participating and whatnot i don't it does not sound like a competition scene would be something i would want to get into but i can say personally i don't think that deters me at all from still wanting to get one to dink around locally well let me say look this is a data point of one right yeah while while i heard pretty much the same from all of my heli buddies that went over there and checked it out and it sounds like nick independently got similar reports Maybe that's just the way this one was. Yeah, I know we do a be. lot of competition down in the Portland area, and we could talk to someone like Keith freaking Morris or Al Elvin Wilson yep. and and get a feel for whether it's the same. I, let, me, let me make sure I, I make my position clear. I do not have a problem with competition. I am at heart an incredibly competitive person. I want to continue to get more competitive in the speed thing. But at the end of the day, I still value the relationships that I gain from engaging in that competition. And so I I can't ever see myself getting to the point where I'm like, screw that guy. I don't ever want to have anything to do with that person. And these people were, I mean, they would get snooty at each other back and forth amongst their cliques. Or, you know, not not talk. And they also weren't all that inviting to those outsiders who would be spectators. Whereas like people come along in the heli hobby 
and any one of the people that we would go and fly with would love to to spend a few minutes talking to um a newbie or a spectator about what the hobby's about and what are they yep. seeing and hey watch what this guy's doing over here blah 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 it, I just didn't get that feeling at this event. You're right, mm-hmm. Jesse. Um, I'm still interested in doing it for fun amongst us. But if that's the way the competition scene is, then that's not something I want to yeah. be a part of. Yeah. So I guarantee you if the three of us got together, fun would be had. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and I'd kick all your all asses. Uh, yeah, exactly. and maybe, <laughs> maybe it is very, very exactly. unfair of me to be comparing... You know, like for me, I think event, helicopter event, I think OHB, Urcha, R Fun Fly, Snohomish, right? It's probably yep. very unfair for me to be comparing those to a competition. It's not like this was yeah. a multi rotor fun fly. Yeah, like for example, what well, is what is three D Masters like? Yeah. Because I, exactly do we have any experience with top level competitions? No, and it's probably pretty douchey, but, you know, to be quite <laughs> honest, I think it also hasn't worked all out all that well yeah. either. And and so that that's what I mean. I'm not saying anything to do with, like, the, the multi-GP one was bad or anything. Yeah. It was uh, just, I found, I thought it was kind of interesting that people went out of the way to tell me, you know what, this is definitely not your scene. And yeah. what that part yep. of that That's hobby fair. is turned into, you would want no part of because you would be just throwing out the insults left and right <laughs> and you could not contain yourself. So that yep. that's, I'm definitely not judging. It's just I was I, I'll put it this way. I was surprised. I, I was actually really excited to go and check out the multi GP when I got there. And then when I started to observe this, I'm like, well, what? this is weird. This doesn't feel right. Like there's there's just something not right here. Yeah. Yeah. I want to if I if I'm going to compete at something, I want to be at a competition where I'm there, you know, competing against myself. And if I, I happen to walk by someone's tent and I hear him, you know, say, dude, I just freaking had a battery go out. I don't have a battery. I want to be able to walk over and grab a battery of mine, you know, and be like, dude, you know what? Hey, here you go. Knock yourself out. Have fun. I don't. Yep. But, you know, to be fair as well, yeah, the more money that gets involved. I mean, isn't there like some just ridiculous prize money coming out in some of these? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the news crews are always interested because it's the whole drone racing thing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the general public want to hear about it. It, it. I mean, it drew a crowd. It definitely drew a crowd. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, hey, you know, and, uh, that's all right. I, I will gladly stick with my uh, with my help. After changing my custom charging case about 12 times now, I've really come to appreciate what the guys at Progressive RC bring to the hobby. With a huge selection of charging accessories such as balance boards, charge leads, connectors, adapters, case fans, and more, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need to make your custom charging system really shine. And if you're not interested in going DIY style, 
then hit them up for one of their turnkey charging systems. Just choose your options and you'll be charging in no time. Head on over to www.progressiverc.com today and get that spark back into your hobby. Progressive RC, taking charging to the next level. Okay, so enough about those things that shall not be named. Tell me about the rest of OHP. I mean, just the, the fun fly part of it. The I don't know. People, attendance, the flights, the weather, the whole deal. Vendors. Vendors. Yeah, the whole deal. I had a blast with the rest of it. Uh, as we already discussed, the Speed Cup was Thursday. So I had to put that on and compete and everything that one day. And then after that was over, I got to kind of let my hair down and do my thing. And that was really nice because, you know, I kind of kind of split my time between uh, helping out on the sponsor side and, you know, helping people out with questions and stuff like that, as well as walking around and talking to listeners who wanted to meet up and chat and then just, you know, doing my own thing, my, you know, my Justin thing, non-RCHN, non-sponsor, just a good old-fashioned heli pilot. Uh the the attendance at this year's OHB was lower than last year that I remember. Um, there, I, I I don't know what the final numbers are. Uh, the last I had heard from Burton Carey, I think they were up in the high two hundreds. So not too far off from last year. I think what did we say? Last year was in the want to say it was like three twenty or three thirty something like that. So I'd guess they were probably 40 to 60 pilots lower this year than last year, um, which, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how big of a deal that is to me personally from an, from an experience standpoint, right? Um, in fact, as you get up there to those higher pilot numbers, things start to get really stuffy and it's harder to find spots on the flight line to fly. I would say that in general, the flight line was pretty much full the entire time, but I didn't see lines of people waiting to go out, for example, and it was pretty well spread out over the whole length of it. So if you wanted to go fly, you didn't have to wait very long uh, on the vendor side. Uh, all the typical vendors were there. I'm going to go down my mental list here. Uh, let's see, we had uh, Team Gowie showed up big time. There are a lot of Team Gowie people, uh, Team Empire, uh, uh, JC Zankel and the crew over there. Uh, Dieter and Willie were there for expert servos, so that was kind of cool. Got to hang out with those guys. They're always fun. Uh, let's see, Team Mikado, so V-Control and the actual Mikado helicopters. Mr. Dahl was there. Got to hang out with him a little bit. Nice. And then... Uh, Thomas from MKS Servos. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Greg Alderman was there for HeliDirect. Uh, we also had Graves RC. We had, I'm going to miss, I'm going to leave people out here. Uh, SAB Goblin, uh, BK Servos, Switchblades, uh, Esprit Model, Jetty, Bavarian Demon. Uh, what else? Um, of course, you know, Bert and Susie representing Spartan in their their large tent there. 
And so, uh, you know, all the standard uh, vendors that you'd expect to see. Oh, experience. Steve was there from experience. Although that was that was a small change. If you guys remember last year, experience brought their big uh, their are like big 18 wheeler big rig thing, the truck. And that was kind of like their store. This year, they didn't do that. They just brought a single booth. Um, and so it was quite a bit smaller in that regard. You still could get parts and stuff from the various vendors that were there, but it, it certainly did not have as Urcha-ish of a feel from sort of like a, a parts vendor standpoint. Like you couldn't just walk up and buy anything that you wanted to. Uh, and, and I mean, again, for me personally, no big deal. I wasn't planning on going and buying anything, but it, it was a difference. Uh, let's see here. Um, like I said, flights were pretty steady throughout. Friday's pretty low-key. They don't do demos on Friday, for those who don't know. Saturday is all demos. Uh, so they did, a, would say, a probably a two or so hour demo slot right around, centered around noon. Pilots are flying amazing, like usual, from all the different teams, except they had a little bit of a challenge this year, and that takes me to the weather. Uh, So I had mentioned it was overcast on Thursday, but we never got rain, and we never got wind for the Speed Cup, which was good. Friday, we had off and on rain and a mix of overcast and sort of partly cloudy or partly sunny skies with, I'd say, probably 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. And then that progressed for Saturday. Saturday started out sunny, uh, but it stayed windy the entire time. And I'm talking like, I think there were times where it was up in the 20s and maybe even low 30s on the ground. Okay. And the demo pilots were 3Ding with that. And it's not just 20 or 30. It's 20 or 30 in your face. Your nightmare, Nick. Mm. Sounds horrible. So, I mean, mad props to all the guys that went out there and flew hard because I wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, that that crap is scary. Doing my brand of 3D, and they were trying to give it everything that they could. You could tell, depending on the pilot, that there was some compensation going on, but for most of the spectators, I doubt they noticed. Uh uh, notable stuff. Let's see here. Um, well, so SAB had the limited edition Goblin 500 Sport in the American flag. Oh my God, I want one. It, awesome. it like I, I, dude, I was like, I wanted to run around wrapped in an American flag. I like, I was, it was like all patriotic and stuff. I loved it. <laughs> it's freaking sweet. So Bert and Justin Cook and Kyle did a demo for that. And what was notable uh, about this, I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, he's not going to do it. Oh, my God, he's doing it. So they're all flying together at the same time. Uh, Bert and Justin start pyro flipping in place, sort of one on the left and one on the right. And Kyle's in the middle and he starts doing a traveling pyro flipping figure eight around their helicopters i was like (laughs) holy shit dude it was really cool nice really cool we had some carnage people people crashed i think uh stacy drove one in doll drove at least one in uh who else justin drove one in 
Yeah, we. I'd say on Saturday alone, there were probably ten to fifteen crashes. So wow. they were they were going in pretty frequently. Another notable thing, uh, JC showed up with the Gowie NX7 with the three bladed head spinning SAB 690s and um and the prototype YS Turek 96. Really? That was a cool oh. thing to watch. Like you don't think that a nitro motor could handle a three blade head and yet he was giving it hell. So I thought that was kind of 96. Hmm. 96. I don't know why, I have no reasoning behind it, but that's what it was. Um Young Pilots was also kind of a cool thing. You guys know of a guy by the name of Will Ramira? Yep. Okay. Now, I've heard the name. Hadn't had the pleasure of seeing him up close. This kid is talented. Super talented. Team Gowie, I think he's 10 or 11. Uh, Mark my words, he's going to be one of the big ones in the next few years. Uh, I mean, he's got amazing control and precision. I mean, you can still tell he he's young. He's got some maturing to do on his flying, but oh my God, this guy has got some mad skill. So that was pretty cool to watch. Duncan was there with his new uh, Soxos helis. Mm-hmm. And anyone that had a doubt about the robustness of that model should just cast that away now. Because Duncan was doing what he does best, and that is just beating the ever living piss out of these things, uh, complete with his you know thirty five hundred RPM overspeeds. Oh yes, which were not nearly as prevalent as they were last year, but he did definitely throw them in in each flight for effect. Uh, that model I got a chance to take a, a closer look at. It's big. Uh, its canopy is massive. Dude, very massive. You know what I think about when I see that canopy? That if you were to take that canopy and fly it backwards, I picture that you know when the space shuttle comes in to land, they th- <laughs> they launch out those oh, big parachutes yes. to throw it yes. down. That canopy is like one of those parachutes or one of those big which is that big is it a whale shark? A basking shark, dude. A basking yeah. shark where it's just like... There's, there's got, I, I think we already saw some memes out there. Uh, Flying the Soxos backwards inverted hur- hurricane be like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had to step up to a 45-25. Oh, wow, is the heli that heavy? Nah, I just uh, basically... Um, times my drag coefficient by a hundred when I'm going backwards. I I run uh, <laughs> eighteen yep. degrees of pitch now to compensate for the canopy drag. Yep, it's like running <laughs> into the wind with an umbrella in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, in I, MC mean, I, I don't pants. know how yeah. bad it is or not. It does have canopy vents. So it does let let some of that airflow out, but man, he had no problems with it. He beat the crap out of that thing. Well, good. And then I think the the other notable thing for me was the night competition. 
So they did the night competition. We had a couple of, you know, it's a little sprinkly at times, but no big deal. Uh, There were 12 pilots. All of them did awesome. A couple of them had competed for the first time ever. Uh, And so, you know, uh, you know, give them a pat on the back for for stepping up there and doing that in front of such a huge, huge audience. But uh, not surprisingly, and I posted this on the on the Facebook that night, Duncan won it. Uh, So, you know, for those who don't know about OHB uh, night competition, they do it uh, in an anonymous way. So it's basically pilots one through 12 and they turn all the lights off. So you can't even see the pilots up at the pilot station. And then at the end, Nick Johnson and Mark get on the mic and they're like, all right, let's hear it for pilot number nine. And then everyone claps and screams and the judges do their thing and all of that. So uh, Duncan gets up. And he, he gets up first as pilot number six, but he had like some sort of a failure and he had to come back. Uh, and it's all his heli is dressed in the the uh, French flag, the red, white and blue uh, in in like big bands. And so he goes back up after a couple more people and he's got the night magic blades on it. In, incidentally, he and Jeremy or uh, Jerry Woodrow were the only two that had those. And so he gets started and it's just some lights and maybe people already knew it was him, but that doubt was completely removed when he threw it up into an inverted hover and started doing a climb out and, and his night magic blade said, pray for Paris. And so, you know, you kind of, kind of figure he's from France. That makes sense. And so he keeps flying and it's to sort of quiet, slow music at first and then he starts to get going and, you know, like the it's it's one of those high energy beats where like it starts building up, it builds up, it builds up and then it just blasts. And when that happens, he puts it into an ultra low, like six inches off the ground, um, hardcore aileron TikToks with the disc facing you and the night magic blades say Duncan Boshian is now here <laughs> and it's like okay well there's pilot number six wow I mean was it a good flight oh dude it was an amazing flight I haven't found a video of it yet but he hmm. did a great job he really did that that nice. kid has talent like you just can't believe. Hmm. So he won a thousand dollars, and uh, so yeah, he came in first. Will Ramira came in second, and then JC and I can't remember the the other person tied for third. But of course, the prize is only for first. So he he got his thousand dollars and was super happy. You know, first. First fun fly with a new model, first competition with a new model, and he goes and wins it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then of course that you know, that was that was pretty much the end of it. They did the raffles earlier on. Uh what was comical about that is that a dude spent four hundred dollars on tickets and won not just the Gowie NX seven kit that I put fifty bucks into because I figured I could get a spares kit. But he also won the HD Cell 500 with a Contronic motor and speed controller. 
So that's wow. the, that's the way to win raffles. Go big. He spent yeah. four hundred bucks and got probably two thousand to twenty five hundred worth of merchandise. Now, of course, the, the the other people were quick to point out that you know he could have lost it all. Yeah, but very hmm. interesting. Yep. Well, cool, man. I'm gl- I'm glad you had a good time. It was awesome. People missed you guys, so we need to find a way to get everyone back out there next time. Yes, for sure. Even if yeah, we can't definitely. get the whole podcast out there, we are uh, we've been talking about it back behind the scenes, and we're gonna see if we can't get out a little bit more, at least with at least with pairs of us next year. Sort of divide and conquer. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Just to hang out and you know be the ninety nine percent. For sure. Okay, so one more thing before we get out of here. Um, well, actually, a couple more. We are going to go ahead and do the second uh, episode for the speed discussion uh, next week. Uh, we talked about it. We were going to do it this one, but it's like, ah, we had so much stuff we wanted to get caught up on. So next week will be that. But I wanted to find out where are you guys at? on your pilot proficiency and who do we think because boy we are like weeks <laughs> away from solidifying this for the year and is anyone making Holy a run crap, dude the end of the year is that close isn't it oh yeah yeah we, like a couple weeks yeah now there's still time i mean there's, in theory still time nick what are you doing next weekend yeah <laughs> you <laughs> betcha <laughs> yeah no kidding there so any I, so for for me, I, dude, I have I don't have my phone in front of me right now. I I have no clue. I mean, I'm I'm way shy of my goal. I'll tell you that. I'm way shy. Let me see if I can. So Justin, you can take over. Let me see if I can dig up where I'm at specifically. But I am. So my goal. Let's see here. My goal, I believe, was level five plus twelve, which. I'm going to bring it up here is oh, I got to log in. Can I remember my password? Yeah, I was Ooh. just going to say that. <laughs> okay, I remembered it. So, yeah, I was right. Level 5 plus 12 maneuvers from level 6, which is a total of 141 maneuvers. And I am currently are we giving our numbers right now? Uh are we do yeah, that? but I can't remember my login. Oh, okay. Well, no problem either way. I'm at 33 out of 141, which is basically beginner, all but I think one or two on basic sport and about a third of intermediate sport. So you only have level one done. As in formally completed with everything. Yes, that's correct. I've got nine of nine on level one. 15 of 17 on level two and nine of 31 on level three. Now, having said that, the the two that I'm missing from level two are simple. I just need someone to check them off. And then on intermediate sport, it's sort of the same way. I've got a number of them that I could go out and do right now with absolutely no issues. In fact, I'm going to say pretty much most of them. Um, I just need to get out there and do it. 
And then, frankly, I haven't looked a lot at the other levels because I've just been focusing on getting those done. So let's see. I am. I have 72 out of 159 maneuvers. Damn. Yep. So now we're doing percentages here, right? Well, That's how we agreed to it. So 33 out of 141, I'm at 23.4%. No, You're I thought 72. we were doing complete levels. No, we're not. Absolutely not. You got to go back and listen to the episode. Okay. Uh, what was it? 72 out of what? Uh, 72 out of 159. Okay, so you're at 45%. And what are you at? I'm at 23. Jesse? Let's see. I have, I'm just getting pulled up here. I have to remember my login. <laughs> yeah, that was a Twenty-four. I also have thirty-three, thirty-four. I only have thirty-four done. Thirty-four out of how much? I can't even remember my goal. I'd have to go look back and look. It oh, should be on the PPP. Yeah, I never, I didn't enter it. Oh, oh. I just started logging, logging them. I'd have to go back and listen, but I only have 34 done. I think you were not, you, you were under I went me. like one one level shy of you, Nick. Yeah. What did what you do, done. Nick? What's Six that? Six plus 12? Uh, let's see. Was level six. Uh, mm-hmm. Right here, it says your goal for 2015, level six and three maneuvers from level seven. Yeah, and I think I was five and something. So, I, I so then, Jesse, you and I are probably pretty close because I'm five and 12. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to say you said five and 20. Yeah, five and so five and 15. And yep. if you've got 34 done, I've got 33. So we're we're pretty much neck and neck. We're right yep. about 23, 25 percent. See, I've got uh, three maneuvers left in level three. Four is halfway done. And I could probably, let's see, I just need to, yeah, see, I could bang through 180-degree autos. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, back, Yeah, I could I could easily probably bang out another 20 of these in a weekend. See, I, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. I feel confident that I could do the last two in two, mm-hmm. all of three, and I think pretty damn close to all of four without too many. Actually, I, I'm going to say all of four. It, well, the, the 180 degree auto rotation, I've never practiced. So that might cause me some challenges. Um, so, yeah, I we got to come up with. OK, so when are you guys doing this? Because I need to find a way to get up there or not telling. Screw you guys. <laughs> You could, Justin, you could. Because here's the problem. Like, I don't, first of all, most of the time my field is covered in water. And second of all, when it is, no one actually goes but me during the winter. So how the hell am I supposed to get them checked off? Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Well, Justin, we might both be safe here. We don't know where Dan's at. No, we don't. You're right. We we might both be more than safe. I feel like we're going to have to, uh. 
but I'm not leaving that to chance, Jesse. Yeah, exactly. Just, just yeah, for the record. No. So I, I'm I may have make... to start teaching my wife how to cite out different maneuvers by doing them on the sim at night so that when she comes, she can check them off. <laughs> I am going to make a mad rush for the end. That is my goal. Between now to the end of the year, I'm hoping to mark off another 30, uh, 30 maneuvers or so would be my goal. We'll see. I, I could have swore that we said fifty percent. That would put me at seventy maneuvers. So, if that would that would mean I'd need to get another thirty-seven checked off. I think I can do that. That's quite a bit. Yeah. Cool. Well, we wish uh, Dan and Crooked Head the best of luck. Um. I don't know. It didn't sound very good, but we'll see how that goes. We'll get the update from there. Um, let's see. I think that did we, we get everything. Oh, I got I one so. more. I got one more, dude. Christmas is coming up. We have s- there. Ken, we got an update from Ken, and I saw a, a post the other day where he said, oh, the last of something, just the last one of something just got shipped out. So if, for Christmas... If you guys want any apparel, better do it now. Better do it right now. Tell your wife, say, hey, go here, order there, talk to Ken. That's the man you want to talk to um, to make sure you get that stuff in time for Christmas. Justin, what's yours? Well, as you guys know, we were unable to get an episode out this week. And so I posted that on Monday. And to just have a little bit of fun with the listeners, I asked them to respond to the Facebook post with their favorite quote from a past episode and include their citizen number. And not surprisingly, I did that so that we can give something away. Perfect. So I figured we could give away an RCHN hat to the random number that one of you are going to pick from the total quantity of responses that we got that met my criteria of having a quote and a citizen number. There are the longest way I've ever heard to say pick a random number. Pick a number. <laughs> yes. So there were 20 people, and some of these are really good. Actually, there are a couple of them that have made me go back to try to figure out what episode it was in if they didn't actually specify. So someone pick a number between 1 and 20. Who's going to do it? Go for it, Jesse. Oh, I got it. Um, 14. Okay, 14. Let's see here. I got to do the counting. That's 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15. 14. 14 goes to citizen number 109, Glenn Thompson. And his episode, (laughs) this is what he picked. And I, I think this is fair. It's technically, it's not a quote. But he says, episode 42, Heli Prosa Palooza, it's full of them. Oh. That is an awesome episode. That, that's where Kurt says bag of penises. Yep. Oh, yeah. Lots of good stuff in that one. Oh. Yep. Yep. That was a great episode. There there were some really good ones, though. Uh, uh, let's see here. What, what was... Um, so apparently the it's like taxes, except the IRS doesn't rub its balls on your chin until April 15th from me is like a really 
popular one. I've been getting a lot of like <laughs> messages and emails on yeah. that. <laughs> wow. Um, Nick, you got you got a brap one. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Dan, now I don't remember when this came from, but Marcus Reshney says that Dan had one where he said it's going to look like little goblin sperm all over the table. <laughs> Do you remember that? Wow, no. Uh, not specifically. No. Uh, Jack, thank you, Jack. I love you, man. Jack says, I've had a couple of goblins. I just don't like how they look. They're just not for me. Nick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I had to... I had to actually, I was defending myself today. Uh, you know what, people, okay, yeah, I, I am. See, you went there, and now I got to bring it up. People don't understand that I love to contradict myself. It's fun, right? I am a, oh, I'm I got defin- another one. <laughs> what? Go ahead. <laughs> okay, and then this will seal the deal. Episode 50. Thank you, Nico Strandman. You won't see me until I part the nation having any airframe sponsorship. Nick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. Well, it just, you know, why do I not shy away from it? I could not say anything and not make any big claims and do that, and then I would be perfectly safe. But to me, that's not fun. It's fun to be able to go back and laugh at yourself and be like, wow, that's really what I was feeling at that moment. And it's amazing how I feel completely different now. And I would rather share how I'm really feeling inside than just keep it to myself to worry about not looking cool or something like that. Screw it. I mean, I I have fun with it. And I laugh just as hard at myself as everyone else does because I got to eat it. That's for sure. I think it's great. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just just go and take a look at some. Yeah, I saw someone else poking fun of me for the V control, too. Like proprietary radio. There was one there. Yep. Yep. Jesse, you got the but are they useful parts on the 3D printing (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Even Mr. Mole got in there. Oh, so speaking of that, uh, Michael went through. He did what what we were avoiding. This this quote up. And went through and found all of the Mr. Mole episodes and posted them up in their own thread on Heli Freak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so Glenn, congratulations. Uh, please send an email to Ken at rchelynation.com. Let him know that you want a hat and he will get that out to you. Uh, probably, damn, I'd imagine in the next few days here. Yep. Cool, cool. Well, uh, let's get out of here, shall we? Let's do it. We shall. Jesse, how would I get a hold of you? You could send me an email to jesse at com or catch me on Facebook. Justin. You could send me an email to justin at com or catch me on Facebook or the forums. Uh, you could catch Dan at dan at com or dank read. The dank. Dank. The read. dank read. You can I get a hold of that. me at nick at rchellynation.com or on Facebook. Um, I do have one quick um, 
apology. Uh, we ran out a little bit of time. There's a listener that I guess sent in a question um, that got missed. Oh. And then we ran out. It was a written one. And then we ran out of time this week to do it. So uh, the, with the title of Pitch. So, my man, oh. we, will, we will get you taken care of. It is from, let's see, Marcus. So, Marcus, okay. next episode, I promise, man, we're going to read through it, um, put some good thought into it. Uh, my apologies. And if you do have questions, please send those to questions at rchelynation.com. If you have any um, inquiries about citizen cards or store or apparel information, that's Ken at rchelynation.com. Sweet. Jesse, Jesse, you want to take us out? Sure. This has been episode 212. We sure hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed making. We will talk to you next week. See you. Later. Later, guys. You know, they still think I'm the mole. Hmm. Wrong. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.